Thank you. We, uh, yeah, if you were if you were here last week, uh, I wasn't. So, uh, just to let you know, I was my family and I. We were down in uh, Virginia, checking out Liberty University. Uh, so one of my sons, Peyton, is looking at that. We're trying to figure all this college stuff out, you know. So kids are starting to grow up and move on, and it's pretty exciting and scary all at the same time. And it's also scary a little bit for the kids. <laughs> Help me out. Come on. All right, all right. So, anyway, um, today uh, it is Palm Sunday. And before I talk about Palm Sunday a little bit, uh, also going to do two things today, okay? Um, we are a spiritual family, and God has blessed us with um, just one another to build ourselves up to uh, we're all part of the body of Christ, and so how, how the spiritual family works is God just has a place for every single one of us to contribute to the body, to build the body up, to strengthen the body. And one of the roles that um, we see a biblical role in the scriptures to help the body grow is eldership. And we have been blessed with just great elders in our, in our church. Uh, and so anyway... Uh, this today, this morning, I would like to introduce to you uh, two prospective elder couples that we are looking to prayerfully anoint and bring a part of our family to continue to care for us. And so I want to introduce to you a couple of them. So Chris and Robin Stefan, if you guys would come on up here. And... Where are you got Helen Kelly Eargood. Come on up here, please. And do we have that microphone? Where did that microphone go? Do you have, Megan, do you have it? All right. In your purse. Come on down. I'll take that. Thank you. Caught you. All right. She's packing. Awesome. And uh, I want to share a little bit about eldership in a few minutes, but... Um, uh, as our church has uh, begun in 1981, uh, we still have uh, many of our founding elders here. And if you are one of our elders here, would you please stand? I see my dad, Ben and Linda Hobson, Dwayne and Chris Vickerman, Keith and Cindy Harrison, Charlie and Amber Lang, and we have Dave and Kelly Smith. Uh, these are some of our current elders as well. And... Uh, what a blessing they have been to us, and on May 5th, on May 5th, in, a, in several Sundays, I don't know, three or four Sundays, we're going to uh, anoint uh, these two couples into eldership, and we are going to re-anoint all of our other current elders and, and just establish them again and give God thanks for them for leading and, and giving and serving and loving us and praying for us. And so I just want to ask these guys just briefly to share a little bit about uh, their journey and just the, the heart that God has given them. Because the Bible says that if, if someone desires to be an overseer, they desire a good thing, a noble task. Uh, because it is, it is really following in the footsteps of Christ to literally lay your life down for other people. And so uh, I wanted you guys to be able to give witness to what God has done in your heart and the love that he's given you for our body. So feel free to share. Come on, step up a little bit where it's a little brighter. Feel the heat yeah, of the spotlight. I get to be first. They didn't tell. 
No, uh, it's a privilege. It's a privilege and an honor to be a servant of God. And uh, I'm just so grateful to be a part of a family that loves the Lord and wants their people to know the Lord and to, to be empowered by all that God has for our lives. The discipleship programs, the leadership, the elders that we have, our pastor, their dedication and their witness, their example has just been a light in my life that's, that's, that's uh, caused me to grow and and that's my goal, is to be somebody that can help others grow. In yeah. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And Hal and I have served together in ministry for well over 20 years now. And, um, you know, one of the first verses I ever put up on my wall was the, from Proverbs, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give the desire of your heart. Little did I know where that would lead me along the journey. So um, have some experience, real life experience of kingdom living. And that's what I want to bring for this. I feel like we were called here. And I know Pastor would say that. And that's, it was a real hard thing to leave another church that we had been part of for 20 years and just go, we don't know what you have for us, but we're excited. So this is exciting for us. So we just wanted to share in that. And uh, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, when I first uh, come to this church, I didn't feel very worthy. I come out of, uh, you know, I just, I wanted more of God. I know that. And I wanted to serve him. And I do love other people. Uh, God is peeling back the layers um, in my life, in my wife's life all the time. Um, and when this was brought to me by the pastor, I surely didn't feel worthy. I, didn't, I don't see myself in that light. You know, I can look at all the negative things that I've done in my life, and I see that just fine. Uh, but it's amazing where God's brought me. I've been sober for over 20 years. Amen. Um, and that wasn't by my will. It was by the power of God in my life. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but it's been a rough, I don't know, six months, year. Because I've been fighting with this. I surely didn't feel worthy, and I'm not. But through Christ, I am. And that's awesome. So he keeps showing me more and more and more, and I'm excited uh, just to, uh, for his will in my life and our lives and this church life. So. Amen. <laughs> um, ditto. <laughs> Don't ditto. Um, that's kind of a joke with some of our CR members, but, um, Pastor Tim had used the words gift this morning and, um, really the gift is ours that we have this church, that we've been brought to this church. You are our gift in our lives that have transformed our lives tremendously to be a part of this church but to have a family. Family is what you feel in your heart, and we feel like that we are here, and all of you are our family members, and we love you, and we're so excited to see what God has planned for us and that we're rooted here in this church and um, just look forward to what is coming because God is moving. God is moving. Thank you. Amen. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. We uh, 
Well, let's just pray for these guys uh, as we uh, prayerfully consider uh, putting them into place. And I'll share a few words with you, but let's just bless them today. Lord, we just thank you for the gift, Lord, of elders that you raise up people with a great love for the church. And you've raised up these two couples, Lord, you have put in their heart, Lord, just a love from heaven for us as a family to lead and guide and encourage, to teach and to model and to just be there, to be there. Um, and in the future, we don't even realize, Lord, the tremendous uh, gift that this, that, that this is that we're opening right now, but we will realize it in the future, Lord, when they're there uh, at, at an appointed time in our lives because you raised them up to, to care for us and to love us. And so, Lord, we, we give you thanks because you are providing for us. Even ahead of time, Lord, you always provide a way for us, everything that we need. You provide, and, and this is part of your provision. And so, Lord, as a congregation, we just continue to lift them up, that you will continue to, to work in their lives and in their hearts, uh, the freedoms and the strength and the revelation and the power uh, that you want them to live in every day. And let them be fully released into the anointing and giftings, Lord, that you have for us, that we may all benefit and grow and be strengthened uh, through each other. And we bless them today, Lord, and thank you for, the, for them and their families. Let the uh, blessing flow down through their uh, mantle to their children and their grandchildren. And may redemption flow into these households, Lord. Uh, may life flow, healing flow. And may you put in order anything that's out of order and uh, bring life through them to them, Lord, through your Son, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for sharing. Awesome. I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you on eldership before uh, we talk about Palm Sunday uh, briefly because um, basically the biblical pattern that we follow is, as Paul mentioned, he appointed elders in the churches according to... um, biblical standards that there might be health and strength and leadership and protection and care given to the believers. And so in, um, in the Bible, it talks about four primary acts of eldership, and it's really along the lines of the idea of being a shepherd. And uh, if you think of David, who wrote Psalm 23, uh, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, Right? And so our shepherd, the good shepherd, who laid his life down for the sheep is Jesus. So he's the leader of our church. He is the one that we follow. He's in charge. Whatever our good shepherd says is done, okay? Uh, but the, the, the good shepherd also appoints, um, uh, you know, many shepherds, right? And so we feel that, that Christ uh, appoints leaders in the church for the church's benefit, and these are the four main things. Number one is teaching and feeding the sheep. Uh, Jeremiah 30, uh, 3, verse 15 says, uh, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So one of the roles of the under-shepherds of a church is to feed and to nurture uh, the fellow believers in their care. Okay, If you think about a healthy home life, then the parents are like the elders, right? 
and they're, they're feeding their children. They're nurturing their children. They're teaching their children. Uh, and so we have elders who are able to teach and nurture and feed us. Isn't that a gift from God? Um, and the second main role is protecting. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. The Bible says, Keep watch over yourselves in all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Again, this analogy of being flock and we're sheep and we have shepherds. It says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And so our, our elders are um, given the task to protect us. Protect us from what? Protect us from bad doctrine. Protect, protect us from wolves that would come and hurt the flock, you know. And so our elders are here to protect. If they see something out, out of alignment with God's word, uh, they will take action. If, uh, if in your personal life, um, you know, there's an area of your life that's, dang- that's in a danger zone for you and you're submitted to, the, to, to them as elders, they will speak into your life. They will help you, protect you from, from that danger uh, area in your heart. And we need that. And parents, again, we do this for our children. If we notice something's wrong or something's out of order or something, they're going in a dangerous direction, we will protect them. Even if they don't always like it, we will do something to interrupt the, the danger path, right? And to, to try to rescue them or get them back on, 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 on the path. And so um, that's, what, that's another role of our elders is to protect us. Protect us from outside danger. Protect us from ourselves sometimes, right? To correct us and help us. Uh, the third main role of an elder is to be a leader and a manager, to uh, be a good role model and example of our faith in Christ. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And so the Bible says that uh, our elders are there to be a leader, to be a guide, to say this is how we live our lives. You know, like Kelly was saying, we've been through some things and uh, we, we've learned some things, you know, and um, and so they can help lead us and guide us through different areas of our lives too. Voices of experience, people who have been faithful in God, who have walked through some storms, who have gone through some, some hard times, and yet they have remained strong in the Lord. Those are people we want to listen to and follow and learn from, and they can help lead us and, and also uh, help manage the church and do a good job of taking care of just, you know, our family taking good care of our family. Uh, and another one, the fourth main one that I would like to highlight is healing and caring. Healing and caring. Uh, we, have, we believe in prayer here at the church, uh, not just prayer during services, but prayer anytime, uh, all the time, anywhere, everywhere, okay? But the Bible does have a great promise in James chapter 5 where it says, Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up, and if they, they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And we, we, our elders, we pray. We pray for you. Uh, we have prayer teams all the time, and you can always, you know, ask for prayer. And uh, that is part of uh, the mantle of that spiritual leadership that God has for our, our, our families to pray for each other, protect each other, to care for each other, to heal each other, to teach each other and feed each other. So our elders are a gift from God. And the Bible says for us to submit to their 
leadership and their authority because they keep watch over our souls. And it's of no benefit to us if we will not submit to the gift that God has given us to receive the, the growing and the leading and the caring and the praying. And if we, if we reject that, we're rejecting God's gift of provision into our lives. You see what I'm saying? So the Bible says, submit to your, your elders. They haven't chosen to do this because uh, they had nothing else to do. Okay? They are, they are literally laying their lives down for us, sacrificing their own time, their own energy, their own agendas, because God has put a love in their heart for you, to love you, to protect you, to teach you, to guide you, to, to be there for you. And so the Bible says, so welcome, welcome them into your heart, into your life. Respect them. Uh, listen to them because they are part of God's provision for you to be healthy and full and protected. Can I get an amen? amen. So as part of that, though, there is um, criteria. It's this incredible uh, uh, list of criteria that the Bible lists in 1 Timothy chapter 3, first seven verses, and also in Titus chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 9. Let me just read the Titus chapter 1 portion, and this is where you come in as a congregation. The Bible says that we need to make sure that the, the elders that we put into place, because it is such an important role in the health and the vitality and the protection of the family, that, that we need to make sure that our men and women that we put in, into eldership are these men and women of the, of the word that meet these criteria. And it's impossible to be perfect. So we're not talking about we need perfect people, okay? But we are talking about faithfulness and, uh, and these qualities that should be ever increasing in our lives. And so I, I am submitting to you uh, these two couples, and over the next three weeks, um, if there's any concern that you have, I want you to come to me personally or to one of our other elders. If they have any concern about uh, these two couples, because we want to make sure that um, they are who we believe they are to be and that God has raised them up and called them to be part of your spiritual overseers of this church. This is a big deal. And the Bible says don't lay your hands on someone hastily. Um, which means don't put someone into a position just on a whim, but to make sure that God is in this and, uh, and these people are called of God, and I believe they are. I wouldn't come to this point with you without believing that myself, but this is our chance as a family to confirm that over these next several weeks, okay? And so as I read through this, you prayerfully consider um, these qualities as well, okay? It says an elder must be blameless, that doesn't mean perfect. It means to be current in their walk with God. Okay, it means that we're not living in sin. We do stumble, but when we stumble, we get right with God. We don't st stubbornly go our own path in sin, okay? So an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. 
And so as we um, are constantly, as elders, trying to live according to God's standard, um, you know, that is, that is something that we personally are pursuing in our life so that we can be that conduit of blessing and, and love and care and protection to you. And so it is a, an, important, an important thing. And so on May 5th, um, we're looking to, to instill these two into eldership on your behalf. And we're so thankful to God for how he transforms lives, how he redeems us, how he raises us up, how he has a, a place for each and every one of us. And uh, the higher up you go in the kingdom, uh, the more of your life you lay down. It's opposite than the world. And so we need to honor our elders, those who God has put a heart and a love in for us to actually go lower by giving up more of their life uh, to care for us that we might have a healthy, strong, spiritual family. We are very blessed in this church, and uh, I'm looking for your confirmation in the next couple of weeks with these two couples. Okay, can you pray about that? And, uh, and then we'll celebrate on May 5th. Again, if you have any concerns or if you have any um, issues at all with the, any of these couples, I want you to come and talk to me, email me, call me, come and see me, or an elder and then we will pursue that, and we will look into that, okay? Does that sound good? All right, we want to be a biblical church. We want God's blessing upon our lives, and we have God's blessings on our lives, so we want to stay in that groove, and uh, I'm so thankful for our elders, and on May 5th, we're not just going to be um, celebrating our new elders, but we are going to be really celebrating and honoring our, our current elders, too, and I'll, say, I'll have a few more words to say about that, okay? All right, Awesome. So it is Palm Sunday. As you are, have been reminded here this morning, it is the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey. He came from uh, Bethany over the hill of the Mount of Olives, and um, he came on a donkey. He went down through the Garden of Gethsemane area, through the Kidron Valley, and then came up the hill into probably uh, the eastern part of Jerusalem. And I wanted to read for you one of the passages of that, of that story. Uh, it's in all four Gospels. The one I want to read for you is in Matthew chapter 21, okay? So here's the story. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? 
The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I want to say that Hosanna is kind of an English way of saying that word. In uh, Hebrew, it would have been, it would have sounded more like this. Hosanna, Hosanna, Lord save us, Lord save us. And they're, and they're yelling uh, that as kind of not just a, a prayer, Lord save us, but also as a recognition that he is the Lord who has come to save them. And he is the king of Israel. He is the promised Messiah. And I was captive, I was taken captive by this one verse at the end when I kind of paused and read it. It says, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And I wanted to ask that question uh, and talk about it just for a couple minutes this morning. Who is this? Have you ever been, uh, I was asking our staff earlier this week, have you ever been in a situation where maybe you're at a concert or you're, at, uh, you're in a, a crowd or you're at some, some place, a bigger city, maybe you're in California and we're in Hollywood, and all of a sudden, you see like a crowd swelling because there's someone famous somewhere. Maybe it's a president, or it's uh, a movie star, or a sport athlete, or maybe you're at a game, and all of a sudden, someone comes out to sign autographs, and you just kind of see, you, you would see a crowd just instantly form. Has anybody ever experienced anything like that, where all of a sudden, there is an organic, just something's going, and you're like, who is it? Who is it? Who is that? You know, and I remember years ago I told this story. This, is a, this isn't a, quite in alignment with that, but I remember shopping. I only did this once in my life. I went shopping on, what's that day after Thanksgiving? Black Friday. I remember I was at Menards, and I experienced that at Menards. It wasn't a person. It was something. It was something super valuable because I'm walking down the, the thing, you know, and it's just crowded. It's like 6.30 in the morning. And I just saw this huge crowd. And I didn't even know what was going on. I just like, I got to get in there. And I'm like, I reached in and I just grabbed it and pulled it out. And I had a pack of batteries. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I got one. Like, oh, I had to have that, you know. And I was thinking about this, you know. Um, we got any golf fans here? So Tiger Woods is playing this morning. Don't tell me. Don't tell me what's going on. Teed off this morning at 920. And um, he's having a really good weekend. You know, he's a pretty famous golfer. Uh, and when they used to have the uh, tournament here at Warwick Hills in Grand Blank, I used to always go to that, the Buick Open. They don't do that anymore. And I remember going when Tiger Woods was there. And literally, if you wanted to see Tiger, and I'm sure this is going on today, he's try- trying to win the Masters, you know, it's a big, big story going on this weekend, that um, what we found was if you wanted to see Tiger, you couldn't follow you had to go ahead about four holes and get a spot that was only three or four people deep and then hold your ground and wait for 45 minutes. And then at every, every minute would pass, more and more people would be coming and showing up and showing up. And then all of a sudden, the whole crowd just... And everybody wanted to see Tiger. And I, I think about this on Palm Sunday. It says the whole city was stirred. And people are like, what is going on? Who is this? Who is this person? Everyone's shouting. There's noise. There's like electricity in the air. 
who is this? What's going on? And people were just, I see, I see this just huge just buzz throughout the whole city. No matter where you are in the city, everyone's asking, where is he? Where is he? They want to see him. They want to get to him. Uh, now, during this time of the year at Passover, the city would swell with thousands and thousands of people because the Jews would always come back to Jerusalem three times a year, and this was one of those times for the Passover feast. And so the, the city was already probably about, I don't know, uh, at least 50,000 people, and it's a very small city. But at this time, some say it would swell to half a million to three million people during the festivals. And so Jesus is coming, and this is the crowd. This is during biblical times, not just now. I'm talking during biblical times, the estimate. Somewhere between a half a million to, you know, up to three million people. Uh, because they would all be coming from Israel, plus all across the world, Jews would try to come back for this holy time. So it would have been just, can you imagine the stir and, and the buzz going on in the, just in that environment? And people are asking the question, who is this? Now, some people said he's the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee, but I like what, uh, I think, was it, well, I don't know, someone said it this morning, um, that, I just lost my thought, I'm sorry, who, who do you say he is? I think it was during communion. Um, what, what do you say if you were in that crowd? That's what it was. Remember that? comment? I thought it was really cool. My mind was like going there like, if I was in that crowd, and I was in that city, and I was asked that question, who is this? What, what would I, you know, what would I answer? Um, now, one of the things that I see in our world today is that uh, there is a lot of fake news, made-up narratives, lies that are peddled as truth. You see this too? Uh, stories are made up to just create a perception. Uh, everything's being spun to kind of reinforce a tilted, biased view. And uh, this morning, I just want to welcome you uh, here into a place of truth and into a place of love, Okay? Because the one that we're talking about and the, the, the question that we're asking ourselves is, who is this? He, he said very clearly who he was. And, uh, and John wrote it, and he said, the word that was at the beginning. We sang that song today. The word at the beginning. This word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, and we saw him. John is reflecting as he's writing these words. We saw him. I ate with him. I hung out with him. I heard him. I touched him. I leaned on him. Uh, and he was full of two things. He was full of grace and truth. He was full of love and truth. Full of love and truth. In our society today, it's very important that we know what the truth is. I mean, like, the truth. And one of the things that Jesus said about himself, this guy who everybody is hailing as the king, and he comes in and, and the crowd is stirred and they're asking, who is this man? Who is this person? 
One of the things he said, one of the things that stick out to me the most is he said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Now, in our world, those are very simple statements, but they are incredibly important on what you decide, whether or not he's telling the truth or he's doing some spin. And we've been spending this whole year on the Bible, telling about how the Bible is true. The Bible is true. It's right. It's eternal. It's perfect. And uh, it's all going to come to pass. That you can, we've been saying this, you can build your life on the Word. You can build your life on this foundation. And Jesus, more than anything else, in, the, in, in any other time in history, we need to come to that conclusion that even these simple statements that Jesus are saying are absolutely true. What does he mean when he says, I am the way? How do you answer this question? Who is this? Who is this? He is the way. The way to what? He is the way to salvation. He isn't a way. He didn't say, I am a way. I'm a truth for some. And I might be the, the way that life, you know, choose your life. He did, he's not a truth. He's not a life. He's not a way. He is the way. And he quantified it when he said, no one gets to the Father except through me, except through me. Uh, and so we look in this world, we see this, we know this, you're sitting here. Uh, I know that I'm, I'm preaching to the choir in a sense, but I'm trying to make sure that you have a very strong, clear conviction within your own heart because the world is confused and it's dying and it needs the truth. It needs the way. This world needs the life. The people in your neighborhood, they may have a different way, a different truth. The people in your classroom, in your school, on your team, they may have a different life, a different truth, a different way that they're, they're, they're pursuing but it's not the way. Jesus is the way to salvation. This is his claim. This is who he is. Easter is not just a holiday that we're celebrating. It's not just an event that we remember. We are actually partaking of a relationship with God because of Easter. We are in a relationship with God. This thing is real. Jesus is alive. And he's in this place right now. So let me talk to him. Okay? Lord Jesus, we just continue to turn our attention to you this morning. You are alive. You are real. Your presence is in this place. We acknowledge that you are the way and the truth, and the life. And I pray, God, that every single one in this room just continues to have an encounter with your presence, that you came to give us your life, yourself, a relationship. So, Lord, we just receive you. We receive a touch from heaven right now, Lord. You are our way. You are our truth. You are our life. Just fill us, Lord, this morning. 
Thank you, Lord. And only him, only God, can reveal himself to us. So we are all grateful, thankful people this morning because somehow God has opened our eyes. Somehow God touched you. He found you. Your heart came alive. Your mind opened. And you were set free from the bondages and the blinders in this world. And you should be a grateful son and daughter of God this morning because you are saved if you've placed your faith in Jesus. And it wasn't a great message. It wasn't a great person. It was the Spirit of God, maybe through a person, maybe through a message, but the Spirit of God came to you some point in your life and, and you awoken to the truth that God loves you and he is the Messiah. He is the way to heaven. And God opened your heart and you received him. It is to God be all the glory. And we honor Jesus in this place. He is the answer. And he's the answer to every single person that you know. Whether you're a young person or an old person, whether you, you know a lot of people or a few people, every single person you know, Jesus is the way for them. He is the answer. This world is confused. This world is broken. The world is in darkness. But Jesus is the light who has come into the world. And uh, I just want to encourage you that, and I was even thinking about this. Um, Jesus said these different statements of himself. He said, I am the bread of life. You know, we can like get caught up in practicing religion. We can get caught up in trying to do the right things and coming to church and then doing the right things and all that. But I want to tell you, Jesus is the bread of life. It's like you need to be in this personal walk with him today. You need to eat today. You need some food today. It's not just a Bible. It's not just words. It's the presence of Jesus in your life today. Okay? Do you know him? Is that who he is to you? Or is he the guy who just started this whole, you know, this whole religion? No, he's not a guy who started a new religion. In fact, the religion was already around before he showed up. The Torah was already around. The Jewish practice, the Jewish religion was already around. He didn't come to create a religion. He came to give us a relationship. Amen? So that's why he said, I'm the way. I'm the only way. And uh, I just pray that you're just encouraged today. But the second thing he says, I am the truth. He is the anchor of truth in my life and in your life. He is an anchor which keeps us from drifting. We don't have to guess if we're right or wrong. We don't have to sort out everybody else's opinions. We don't have to be tossed back and forth with the cultural values and new ideas and new emphasis. We have an anchor of truth. His truth is eternal. He is the truth. The truth. This is very important. I love this verse. I'm asking you to memorize this verse with me this week, okay? John 18, 37. And those of you who are in our um, Truth Project on Sunday nights, we, we, listened, we heard this verse this last Sunday night. And Jesus says this. This is amazing. He says, to Pilate, he's talking to Pilate. As Pilate is talking to Jesus saying, don't, you know, Come on, man, give me something to work with. I can set you free. I can let you go. And Pilate's talking about his kingdom, and Jesus said, eh, my kingdom's not of this world. It's, you know, and then he, and he's talking about truth. And then Jesus says this, in fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens 
to me. Oh, wow, I love that statement. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Do you know that uh, the God of the universe, the author of truth, is on your side here when you're talking about what is true? And we're looking in our world and seeing all this craziness. But I was thinking about um, a tuning fork. I don't have a tuning fork, but I, I remember using a tuning fork once. If you've ever used a tuning fork, they're pretty cool. You kind of whack it against something, and it starts to vibrate. And that is a vibration set to a certain pitch, which you can then tune your guitar to or... or Actually, this is how they do pianos, right? That's how they tune pianos is they have tuning forks. And they, they tighten or loosen the strings on a guitar or on a piano. It's a stringed instrument to hit the same pitch. And I, I think about truth like this. Have you ever experienced this? Truth is like a tuning fork. When it is spoken, I believe, for me I've experienced this, when truth is spoken, even when I don't want to hear it, there's something that rings inside of me and says, yes, that's true. <laughs> and you can feel it. Even when, you don't want to, even when you don't want to hear it, you know it's true. Where does that come from? It comes from God. God is the anchor of truth. His truth is our anchor. And whenever... The tuning fork is, you know, and we're out of tune. What needs to happen? Need to throw away the tuning fork, right? <laughs> we need to tune up. We need to come in alignment. We don't throw the tuning fork out. Our culture is trying to throw the tuning fork out. Do you see what I'm saying? And the pitch that's coming across is ugly. It is not ringing true. It's not true. Jesus said, I am the truth. He's not a truth. He is the truth from heaven. For this reason, I was born to testify to the truth. And everyone who's on the side of truth, they're listening to me. Isn't that encouraging? You're not crazy. All right. Encourage somebody next to you. So just tell, hey, you're not crazy. You're doing all right. You keep listening to Jesus, okay? And he said, I am the life. Jesus is the source of life. And here's the sad, here's the sad part of our, of, our, of our culture. Someone who is rejecting Jesus is rejecting life. You see that? When we reject the word of God, when we reject the word who is Jesus and we reject his life, we're rejecting life. We're rejecting uh, freedom. We're rejecting truth that sets us free. We're rejecting healing. We're rejecting wholeness. We're rejecting hope. You see, we're not just rejecting a religion or a philosophy. We're actually rejecting life and we have what's left death. We have brokenness and hurt and pain. So that's what our world 
you know, is, is doing. That's what's happening. And so what do we do? Do we fight the world or do we do what Jesus did? We come to save. We come not with condemnation, but with a message of truth and love and redemption and hope. And may the compassion of God stir in our hearts. May we be like our shepherd. May all of us be under shepherds. May we all have the heart of God for the people around us who are the wandering sheep, who are the lost sheep, who are those who think they're rejecting something when they don't realize, like Jesus said, what they do. Didn't he say that? He said, oh, God, Lord, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. They don't know. They don't know by rejecting me that they're, they're rejecting you and life and wholeness and joy and everything that they really crave for. They don't know. They don't see. But may God raise up a compassion in us and each one of us that we don't fight the world, but we invade the world with light and life and hope, compassion, because Jesus is life. He is life to each and every one of us. Next week, obviously, is Easter. So would you pray about inviting someone to come? I'm expecting, obviously, I'm expecting this place to be packed out. But I'd like it to be even more packed out because I want to invite people to Christ. I want, I want to give a message of hope uh, to those. And, and would you pray, God, give me compassion for people around me, for the students in my classroom, in my hallways, for those that I work with, for my neighbors, for my extended family, would God, would you give me compassion for someone, pray for someone, and invite them to come that maybe, maybe they would come and hear and receive the good news and be saved. Let's do that, okay? Let's do that. Let's believe for a great move of God next week here in this church. And this weekend, you know, there's going to be a lot of people visiting, uh, a lot of eggs opened up, a lot of chocolate consumed, a lot of good times, um, but may it all lead to people uh, being drawn to the love of God in this place. And, uh, and may the revelation come that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life to even more, to even more this coming weekend. This is a great time of the year for us to celebrate. It's also a great time of the year for us to add to the family, to extend that hope to others around us. Amen? All right. Awesome. Um, I think I would like to close with that and just pray for us. But Jesus said this in John, or this is said of Jesus in John, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. John chapter 12 also talks about uh, 
the story of Palm Sunday. And towards the end of a conversation, Jesus said this in John chapter 12, verse 46. He said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Okay? So the world is dark. Jesus comes into the world as light. And he says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me would stay in darkness. Do you believe that? So anyone who is in darkness right now, Jesus invites them to come out of darkness into his light. And even in our little world, in my little space, any area in my life, even though I confess my, my, my faith in Christ as Lord, any area in my life that is dark or broken or in bondage or hurting, even in my life today, Jesus says, I came so that you would not have to stay in that darkness. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't, didn't just come, you know, to forgive us, but to heal us, redeem us, set us free? Isn't that awesome? He said, I, he, he said so many things, reasons why he came. He came to destroy the works of the devil, but he also came that you might have life and have it to the full. He came to proclaim and testify to the truth. He came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Man, those are all pretty awesome, loaded purposes that Jesus came with. But I just want to finish this message with this. He came that you wouldn't have to stay in darkness. So today, if there's any hurt in your life, any darkness in your life, anything out of order in your life, anything that's not tuned in your life, Jesus said, I came so you don't have to stay that way. Okay? Can we just give that to the Lord this morning? Can we experience Easter? Can we experience resurrection, victory? Can we experience the light of heaven coming into those areas of our life today? Can we truly be um, a testimony, a living testimony that Jesus is alive because he's healing me. He's transforming me. He is working on me. He is alive today. And may my life and your life, may we shine like Jesus said. That you would shine in such a way that others will see your good deeds, see what God is doing in you and through you, and they'll know to give glory to God in heaven. It's like there ain't no way that's coming from that person. <laughs> we got to give God some glory and credit. Look at what God's doing in their life. Look at what God has done and is doing. But for that to happen, we need to humble our hearts every day. We need to invite the light into the darkness. We don't want to be a hard heart like the world that says the world rejected that light and it stumbles in the darkness. It doesn't even know what causes it to stumble. But we serve a God who loves us and invites us into the light that we might be able to have fellowship with him and one another in that light. Let's stand together and let's pray. If there's anything on your heart or mind this morning that you want to invite God into and just say, Lord, I know you're not done with me yet. So, Lord, this morning, I just continue to surrender this to you. Let's pray together, okay? Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you 
for your presence in this place. We thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts this morning through our time together, through worship, through maybe one of these stories, these passages of Scripture this morning. Even now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to us. Just whisper to God, say, Lord, speak to me. Show us, Lord, anything that you want to do in our hearts this morning before we go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So now, Lord, we just take a minute to respond. Thank you, Lord. You are the light of the world. Thank you that you came to call us out of darkness into your glorious light. Today, Lord, we profess with full assurance that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Our hope is in you. Our hope is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We lift our eyes to heaven. We look to you, Lord. Our sure confidence is in you. So, Lord, with that, we now open up the area of our life, Lord, that we need help. Lord, let your light shine upon us. Lord, we repent of any sin. We repent of giving ourselves to anything other than you. Right now, we just turn from sin. We turn from our waywardness. We repent. We come to you, Lord. And now, God, we offer to you every area of our life, Lord, especially the area that you're talking to us about this morning. Lord, we pray that your light would come in and dispel the brokenness, the hurt, the pain. Lord, that you would bring life, you would bring clarity, you would bring a new beginning in us. Thank you, Lord. May you continue to redeem us, Lord, piece by piece, bit by bit. And Lord, just direct our steps into freedom. Direct us, Lord, into wholeness, into strength. Thank you, Lord. Would you just uh, lift your hands towards heaven? Just whisper your own personal prayer. Lord, I need you. Fill me. Fill me with the light of heaven. Fill me with the with the health of heaven, the wisdom of heaven. Empower me, Lord, by your spirit this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. Risen Lord, risen King. Thank you, Lord. You're not done with us yet. Continue to redeem us, Lord. Fill us, strengthen us, Lord. We need you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And God, and I just pray your blessing on this family, Lord, that this would be a great week. This would be a week of great favor and um, great provision. Lord, you just fill us with compassion for this world. Lord, that you'd put people on our hearts this week to pray for and to invite to come to know you. Lord, we are your, your body. We are your children. May we build each other up, encourage one another, lead us, Lord, this week, that the family be strengthened in the Lord and in your mighty power. Thank you, Lord, for this special time. And now, Lord, I pray your blessings on each one here. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
And the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in his name. Now the blessing of the Lord is upon you. His favor surrounds you like a shield. He's going before you, ordering your steps, equipping you with everything you need, even before you need it. We serve a great God. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing and all you are going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, um, as, as we go, uh, worship team's going to do another song. If you want to worship another song, we have some prayer teams uh, available. And uh, also, we have a prayer walk today at 3 o'clock if you guys want to join us. Uh, I don't think we'll need shovels, so we should be okay. But God bless you. Have a great day. Amen.